Hi, welcome to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open, affirming congregation, and we're so glad you found us. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our weekly messages, we hope that you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your faith journey. Please listen with us now. So I have a question for you that I'm going to start out with, and I am fine if you shout out the answer. Here's the question. As a child, what was your favorite Bible story? As a child, what was your favorite Bible story? Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark. It's a good one. Thank you, Will. David and Goliath, Esther, good. Parting of the Red Sea, yes, with Charlton Heston in that version. <laughs> Such good stories. And maybe these are the stories, if you didn't shout it out, maybe this is a story that you loved at first hearing when you learned it back in the first grade Sunday school, or maybe it was one that you liked because you got to dress up and play that character at Vacation Bible School. Or maybe it was the one that had the prettiest picture in your children's Bible. But whatever it was, I'm guessing as a child, you had a favorite Bible story. And now I'm guessing that as an adult, your story or your favorite passage from the Bible might have changed. I'm wondering now if your favorite scripture passages are ones that were especially meaningful to you, maybe at a funeral that you've been to, or a sermon that you heard, or an anthem that you sang. Maybe it's from a devotional book, a favorite prayer that you read every morning. My guess is that there is still scripture that's incredibly important to you, but maybe it's not one of those Bible stories that you heard when you were young. That's one of the things that I have really enjoyed in my ministry about working with children, is that you get to tell and to relearn the Bible stories. So when you're in children's ministry, it usually goes something like this. This is how you structure the year. They walk in in August and you start in with creation and Noah's Ark comes close behind it. After a Sunday or two, you're talking about Moses and you talk about the burning bush and the Red Sea. You move on to Joseph and of course you get the Technicolor dream coat and then you move right along to December and it's time to start hearing about the angels appearing to Mary, about the baby jumping in her belly, the stories of the shepherds and the wise men, and then you get to play your part in the pageant. And then there's plenty of time after Christmas, there's plenty of time for learning more about Jesus. You get to hear about the parables and the wild stories of seeds that are scattered or tiny seeds that grow into big bushes. You also get to hear about the miracles. 
that just a few pieces of bread and fish feed the crowds, and that Jesus can make lame folk walk and blind people see. And then you're ready. You're ready for Palm Sunday, where you get to hear the story of Jesus on the donkey with the people waving their palms. And then you move along to the sad story of Holy Week, of the death of Jesus. And then it's Easter. And you hear the good news of the resurrection. Now, after Easter, that's where the fun really begins. After Easter, of course, is where we are now. Liturgically, it's not called after Easter. It's called Eastertide. But this is this 50 days when the not dead anymore Jesus appears to his disciples as the risen Lord, and he gives them something to talk about. He promises the power of the Holy Spirit and says the Spirit is on its way. Now, in children's Bibles, these stories, the Eastertide stories, where Jesus as the risen Lord appears and communicates with the disciples and the people along the road like we heard today, those stories are all over children's Bibles. These are stories that are too good not to share. But let's test it out and see if you've heard them anytime recently. Perhaps the most familiar is the story of Jesus showing up at the empty tomb when he appears to Mary and calls out her name, right? And then the man that she thought was the gardener, she now recognizes as Jesus. That's an appearance story. There's the Emmaus Road journey, which I read today, where a couple is walking along the road, digesting the events of the crucifixion, and then Jesus appears anonymously beside them. And then it's only later when they sit down to supper and Jesus blesses and breaks the bread that they know they've been with the risen Lord this entire time. And do you remember the story? This one gets the most play of doubting Thomas, right? It's similar to what you heard from Larry last week that Jesus appears to the gathered disciples and offers his hands and his feet. But in the Doubting Thomas story from the Gospel of John, Jesus gives Thomas his hands and says, Here, touch my wounds. My favorite story of the appearance of Jesus after the resurrection, this before the ascension, right, when Jesus is in the risen Lord walking around with the disciples, meeting them again. My favorite one is in the Gospel of John. See if you know this one. When the resurrected Jesus shows up on the side of the sea and cooks breakfast for the boys who are out fishing, when they hear it's him and they rush back to the shore, he's over there tending the fire, and they come over and he passes around the fish and he says, let's eat. And then, of course, there's the last story of the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. And that's when he leads his followers out to the edge of town, and then he blesses them, and he leaves them. He's taken up into heaven, by, into the clouds. The ascension is how that one is titled.
there is some good news in these stories. That Jesus comes again and again, appearing to over 500 people over so many days, that he is making himself known in this new way as the risen Lord. But we, the adults, we don't hear much about these stories. Did some of them ring a bell? But others, not so much. Did anyone know about Jesus showing up and making breakfast for everyone? I love that. (laughs) So my question for us to wonder about today is how does something that takes up such prime liturgical calendar space, 50 days of Eastertide, when Jesus is appearing as the risen Lord, something that takes up so much time in the Christian Bibles of a Sunday school room for children, how does something that takes up so much space drop out of the big church, adult church, knowledge base? Because these passages are so important. The Bible tells us that these are the days when Christianity begins. It's when we hear First, that basic Christian confession that Jesus is risen indeed, that's still the only requirement for membership in the church to confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior. And that's when we first begin to hear that witness to this experience of the risen Lord. So why don't we hear this more? We need to know what happens after Easter. Well, I think when we look at the passage for today, when we turn back to the scripture and we read ourselves along with the disciples, following along on the road, or even to the scripture passage that Larry read for last week, when the disciples have shut them in the room and locked themselves away for fear, I think when we look at the disciples encountering Jesus and these risen Lord appearances, we can relate because those disciples show us that this whole risen, resurrected Lord thing is strange, even scary, hard to understand and grasp. Wonder with me, what is it about the resurrected, walking, talking Lord that we can't grasp, that we fear, What is it that we cannot fully see? I have two beginnings of an answer here. And the first one is, it's because Jesus had really died. You know, the disciples... They didn't like these risen Lord appearances, or they were confused by them, or possibly scared, because they had seen it. They had smelled it. They had heard Jesus give up his spirit. He had died. 
And the passage for today spends so much of its time, so much of the language, so much of its energy, emphasizing that Jesus, the risen Lord, isn't back as some sort of ghost or apparition. Jesus doesn't appear as a hologram. He's not FaceTiming in from afar. Jesus is back in his body. He is walking on the road. He is breaking bread. He is eating supper. He holds out his hands and his feet. The disciples touch him. He is flesh and bone, and he is living again. So it's not that just some immortal part of his soul is still living. God has raised him, body and all, from the dead. And the disciples walking down the road, gathered at the table, we know were astonished, disbelieving, grieving, confused, scared. We sometimes think that only we, who are rational, scientific, technologically advanced 21st century folks, that only we would take issue with the resurrection. But they didn't like it either. They wondered how this could be. And that's, my friends, why we don't talk about it, because it doesn't make sense. It's crazy. It's unscientific. It's a mystery. Even when we so deeply believe it, it is hard to say that God has defeated death and raised Jesus from the grave. It's fine as a kid's story. Maybe we'll sing it in a hymn. But instead of the 50 days of He has risen Easter stories, we tend to move on from that good news. Instead, we are much more comfortable talking about the good things we do in the world, the good work we do, the social justice we care for, the way we love our neighbors. We don't want to talk about the holes in his hands or the body up from the grave. That's wild, that's scary, and that's one of the reasons why we don't know these stories. And then there's also this. That Jesus was resurrected as a body, as a Lord who was risen and showed up in the world in substantive ways. That means that there's power for us and our bodies given by the Holy Spirit and for this world. A longtime teacher at Columbia Seminary, Shirley Guthrie, put it beautifully in saying, the important point is that we must not spiritualize the resurrection so that it only has significance for the next life. The resurrection happened in this world. For Jesus himself and for us, it means the renewal of human life, not escape from it. Hmm. The resurrection happened in this world. That's what these after Easter stories teach us. That for Jesus himself and for us, it means the renewal of human life, not escape from it. You see, Jesus doesn't show up as an apparition 
And Jesus doesn't show up to have a go at what he was doing before. It's not our belief that he has resuscitated and resumes his former way of living. No. Jesus comes back as the risen Lord, our Lord. And he comes back and he commands. Go to the ends of the earth. Proclaim forgiveness. Teach repentance. You are my witnesses. The power from on high will come. So it's these post-resurrection appearances that we see Jesus' real body and we know that he really matters, that God really loves us our bodies, our lives, our world, and that we have new life in God's reign now on earth as it is in heaven. These stories, wow. These stories. When we share about the real body of the risen Lord, we say that his power still comes in our world. No wonder we're scared. No wonder we're confused. We say that his power still comes in our violent, unjust, pain-filled world. When we say he is risen, we say that Jesus is on the side of life. That can be hard to fathom, difficult to understand. That can be scary to hear. So in closing, I'll tell a story about being scared. This is, uh, my son is not here today, so that's good because he probably wouldn't want y'all to know that he used to get scared when he was around four years of age. And uh, this is how it would go at our bedtime ritual. It would go something like this. Mom reads the stories and says, good night, and then son says, I'm scared. Now, not to take anything away from kids who actually have night terrors, but his was probably more of a willful position that had something to do with him not wanting to go to sleep, right? More like a delay tactic. So I would turn off the light. I'm scared, Mommy. Get in bed. I'm scared, Mommy. Lie down and I'll tuck you in. I'm scared, Mommy. Go to sleep. I'm scared, Mommy. So it would go something like this. When he would say, I'm scared, I would say, well, let me rub your back or, okay, I'll get you a glass of milk, or let's find your stuffy, put this in your hand. And just like that, that bedtime routine, with some extra comfort and attention, it would work, right? He'd be able to make that transition, which was tough for an on-the-go active four-year-old to transition into sleep. Now, in these post-resurrection stories, Jesus knows 
Jesus knows that he's asking us to make a really big change, way bigger than asking a four-year-old to slow down and get some sleep. Jesus knows what he is asking us to see and to remember. He knows that he is asking us to live as a people of God in a totally new way. Jesus knows that he is risen is a challenging claim to make. And here, friends, is the really good news. Jesus is not put off by our astonishment. Jesus is not worn down by our confusion. Jesus is not scared of our fear. And even when he is in his full power and glory in his resurrected body, on his way to the Father, about to ascend. Over those 50 days, he is always, and even now, still reaching out to us. When he shows up in the garden, visiting Mary at the empty tomb, he doesn't come empty-handed. With Mary at the tomb, he tells the good news, and then he says to her, tender, and toned just to her, he speaks her name, Mary. And then she recognizes him, and she knows what she is to say. When the disciples are gathered in the room, and they see him there, and they fear his figure, then he stretches out his fleshy hands, and they hold on to him, and he tells them what they are to do. And on the Emmaus Road, when the couple is struggling with the confusion of the day's events and the long-winded words of the road, what does Jesus do? He stays for dinner. And then he gives them bread. And they know how to say what he has asked them to we shouldn't be surprised that Jesus, in his ultimate glory, having defeated death, forgiven our sins, why should we be surprised that when he is risen, when he is Lord, Jesus, commissioned to us, is caring, that his power is vulnerable, it's self-giving, in light of his life, in light of his death, why should we be surprised? Why should we fear? Go to the ends of the earth. Tell all of them I love them and I forgive them. I'm scared, Jesus. And then softly, he says your name. Go, tell them that I have the power that I will save them. I'm scared, Jesus. Here, take this bread. Tell them I am risen. Tell them I am Lord. I'm scared, Jesus. Here, hold my hand. For these stories, for this gospel good news that he has risen, that he is Lord, we are truly grateful. To God be the glory.
time without end. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. I invite you to visit our website, covpresatl.org. That's C-O-V-P-R-E-S-A-T-L.org. There you'll find current worship information, links to our live Sunday morning streaming service, and our full archive of recorded services. You'll also find out more about us and how to get in touch. I wish you well in these strange times. God is with us. Grace and peace to you.